Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So today I have a treat for y'all. I actually went ahead and brought on, I was so happy for him to join, the one and only Adam Tyler Smith. Adam Tyler Smith is a mindset and performance coach, entrepreneur, lifelong Cleveland Cavalier fan, and he is also a co-coach in the men's group called Masterful Men, where they specialize in helping men step into their personal masterly mastery, live their purpose, and set up as leaders. I can personally say I have been a part of this program. It is phenomenal. Um, We talk a little bit about it. We go into some UFOs, talk a little bit about AI. We actually get in a multitude of things. So y'all, please enjoy, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. All right, we are recording, starting the show. Um, Adam, once again, thank you for joining me today. And I just kind of want to start off by asking, you know, like two questions, like where are you located and um, kind of going into where we've actually met and then and then go from there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am from the great state of Ohio. I live very close to Cleveland, Ohio. So the the thing you might know about Cleveland is that LeBron James is from this area. And I was actually born in the same hospital as him. Um, a lot of people don't really, really know where uh, Cleveland is or what it's known for or anything like that. But uh, I've been living here for the majority of my life and absolutely love it up here, regardless of what people say about it. Yeah, it's weird how like Ohio is taking on this negative connotation. Like I was talking to like an older group of people who like aren't on TikTok. And I was like, what What do you think like Ohio means? Are you familiar with this term that's like merging online? Um, I haven't. Can you give a, just a slight more context on it? So it's like now people are saying that's so Ohio. And kind of like what it means for our generation is when something might be kind of like, like ghetto or like white trash. And then people will be like Ohio. And it's like they just say one word now. Like there's no context. And like kids from like five to 10 will just be like, that's Ohio. And it's like, I didn't know what it was until I did a deep dive. And I'm like, TikTok is literally creating this weird hybrid slang that children are using. I haven't heard that, but now in that context, I can definitely see how, how that could be used. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's some, uh, there's definitely some stereotypes about people that are from Ohio, but the the crazy part about a lot of those stereotypes is that depending on where you are in the state, mm-hmm. like it's a completely different world. And I don't know that I've been to many places. I've I've traveled decently around around the United States, and I don't know that I've been to very many places that it is such a massively diverse place. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that lives up in Cleveland versus somebody that lives in Southern Ohio, it's like a completely different world. Yeah. And it's like, 
you know, Ohio's not bad, but if you look at qualifying games, like in for FIFA and World Cup, they say they always have them in Ohio because it's like the most like American populated area and there's not. So it kind of brings in more atmosphere for those games is what someone told me once. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I know we have the the Columbus crew um, and I know soccer is getting getting pretty big up in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of like people in broadcasting Mm-hmm. are from the Ohio, Northeast Ohio area, because they say that we don't have that much of an accent. That's so true. a lot of, a lot of people can, can actually understand what we say, which I guess is cool. That is cool. Like I'm from Arkansas and I have nothing negative to say about Ohio. I have no clue why people have negative things to say about it, but like speaking of broad, my father was in broadcasting and that's kind of why I don't have, an accent or at least I don't think I do like growing up in rural Arkansas but it's always interesting like about kind of those those subtleties of how people speak and I think going from there you know like I kind of want to get into kind of where we met and then kind of what program we were a part of you know I know you you're kind of a facilitator Adam and I kind of if you want to give a little little um overview of it yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I met Zach in a program called Masterful Man. Um, it's a program that I co-facilitate with uh, it's three other coaches now. So there's four of us total. And really, it's uh, we've, we've changed the format a little bit since since you were in it. But it's a it's a community for men that are wanting to own their power, live their purpose and really bring leadership and integrity into their life, businesses, and um, relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we, right now, it's it's actually a year-long program now, uh, which you did. Yeah, yeah. So we, we moved it to a year-long program. We found that, so just for reference, Zach took the, we had an eight-week program that Zach took. Um, and we found that so many of the men came out of that program and were stepping into completely new lives. So there's people that started their coaching program out of being coached in, in Masterful Man. There are people that were in relationships that thought that were thinking about getting out of them in Masterful Man that ended up staying in them. There were also people that were, uh, that got out of relationships that weren't serving them. And with that new place in their life, there's more things that need to be, there's no more ways that they need to be supported. Mm -hmm. And so we found like, what is the easiest way to uh, keep people engaged and, and really make sure that they have the support through the different ebbs and flows of their life. And in addition to that, like, I'm sure you've kept up with, with some of the guys that went through the program with you. Mm-hmm. The um, the massive change that happened in eight weeks for a lot of those guys, like I can't even, I, I'm so excited to see what that change is going to be like in a year from now and how much growth, how much growth we can, we can help support them with. Yeah. A year's interesting. You know, I didn't realize that, but it makes sense because you do kind of have the changes. So look, the, the eight weeks and there's changes there for me, there's more clarity, more understanding, um, and also just understanding there's so much more out there. But 
for a year, it's almost like after that eight week mark and you get the clarity, then it's like, how are you going to initiate that into your daily life and build from it? Because you could have a lot of momentum being shot out of it. And if you didn't stay to your practices, I could see where things might get a little bit wonky after a while. Yeah. And we were finding like some guys were reaching out and wanting to do one-on-one -on -one calls with the coaches and stuff like that to, to really like basically just check back in and all the, the coaches and I, we all got together and basically said like, well, what would it look like if we did a, a kind of monthly program that's based around like a yearly commitment, mm -hmm. um, more of a mastermind style kind of thing mm -hmm. where we, we can support through so many different things, right? Like a lot of like eight weeks is fast. And, and we, as you know, we blast you with a lot of information and it could be like drinking from a fire hose at times. Um, but really to refine those skills really takes more than, than those eight weeks. Obviously you, a lot of people got a ton of value from it, but the, the year I think is going to, is going to be a lot better for us. Mm -hmm. And then just from a business standpoint, it was really hard to launch every like two months. Yeah. Right. That just, yeah. yeah, just the marketing cycle was, was really, really hard on us. And, uh, we would get in momentum and then out of momentum and in momentum and out of momentum. And even between the, the cohorts, we were having calls ourselves to like, cause we have our own coaching calls every mm -hmm. single week. The, the coaches do. And so this is, is more easeful, right? We launched a couple of weeks ago. We didn't have to do a full on launch because you can, anybody can join at any time now and just join the call on Wednesdays, right? Oh. There's no, there's no, uh, there is still the, the eight week program in there. We call it the initiation now, mm -hmm. but you go through that kind of on your own self-guided. And then the weekly calls are that backbone that we have that, that really drive home all the, all the things within the program. Hmm. That's super interesting. I think that's a really smart pivot. And I think it's going to create like so much more reach, especially within in building relations. I think too, what's really unique about the program from my perspective, and I'm not trying to like pitch it. I'm just trying to really give people a lot of insight is in my ultimate opinion in this current day and age, men finding community is tough. And what's really unique about this program is there's a lot of like-minded men coming together who do want to, you know, they want to double down and focus on how to make themselves better, how to create better relationships, how to create better relationships with work. And what Adam and the coaches do is they utilize that and they build from it and they teach you also how to create better habits. And in my opinion, it's something that a lot of people and a lot of men can benefit from. And it's something that I benefited from and it really helped with a lot of mental health in clarity when I really needed it most. So I think, you know, I can drop a, I'll drop a link in the Spotify to your IG. So if people are interesting, they can reach out and go from there and, and kind of, you know, see where it leads them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't come on here specifically to pitch this program or anything like that, but um, it's something that we think is needed. And if it serves the person listening to this, to reach out, then by all means, by all means, reach out. Uh, we're never going to hard sell you on anything or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. We just want to support 
men to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Yeah, and it's such a need now. And I think like you think about tribalism whenever you met with a group of men and there was different situations happening and you kind of had that accountability, which I feel like it it's so important. Like if you don't have a relationship with accountability, how do you build that? You know, like sometimes you got a little voice in the back of your head, but as men, it's like, that's a really important, it's almost like a governor on an engine. So you're like, all right, I'm not going to go crazy. I need to be really true to myself here. Yeah. And I, and I think throughout history, we've been in communities and with the rise of social media and what happened with COVID and, and everything like that, a lot of people got segmented from their communities mm-hmm. and segmented from their friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even, even in my life, a lot of the relationships that I had with men were built on something else, right? So I used to play video games professionally. Uh, a lot really? of my friends, a lot of my, yeah, yeah, I used to play Halo 1 and Halo 2 um, professionally and then a little bit of Call of Duty when it when it was first coming around. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of my a lot of my friends, we like that's what we bonded through was was video games. And so now um, getting into my late 30s, I'm still friends with those guys, but the relationship that I needed uh, to have with them, through video games had to change. And so I didn't have a community of really anybody mm-hmm. that I can go, that I could go to, to, to talk about these things. Obviously I talk about those things with my friends, but um, that those relationships are, are built through the context of video games where this gives us a, a community based on leadership and moving things forward. Yeah. And coming out of COVID, I think that's that's so needed. Yeah, and it's like what's so crazy, at least this has been my experience as a man, is if you are the 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 only way you make friends with other men, like I just can't come in like like you can talk to somebody, but to build a bond, you have to like do something together. That's why like some of your best friends are from like situations like where you know, I still talk to my friends because I was in Peace Corps China. And we bonded over those experiences and we'll be friends forever because of those moments. And it's like, you think, why can't I just make a group like that? But it is, you have to go through certain things with people in order to form that relationship. And I think sometimes whenever we put everything on social media, whenever we're viewing content, we have to be like, this isn't a human, this isn't a human um, approach to building relations. <laughs> like, you know, it's almost like we're driving in cars and we're looking at people through cars and we're making assessments but it's like you gotta you gotta still talk to people in order to interact with them. It's not like a one-way conversation. I think sometimes that's what's happening within society in in what is coming out of COVID. And it seems like people are starting to build a little bit more community, but I can definitely see that as really contributing to a lot of mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of communities popping up. Um, I would say that if if anybody's out there struggling and feels the need to to reach out to one of those communities to do so i mean men men and women right this isn't necessarily just a a men issue mm-hmm. um it's it's for every person having the human experience there's like we need support it, it, it's very lonely the, the personal development game and that life is very lonely and a lot of people 
and they try to better themselves um, end up alienating themselves from the people that are are in their lives. They're, they kind of just, uh, it, it's very rare that you'll find all of your friends wanting to go push towards something better all at the same time. Right. Because we're all in different timelines. So if you need a community, there's tons of them out there and it, it's definitely worth looking into them. Mm-hmm. For sure. So transitioning topics, Adam. All right. So this podcast, we get into a lot of different stuff and, Love it. and you, you listen to the podcast, correct? Or on occasion. Um, I was just kind of curious, you know, like, merging out of social media like what is your like naughty conspiracy theory not naughty but what's something you go to just to kind of give you entertainment not necessarily like a full full like believer but is there anyone that you like kind of sticks out to you and you're like this is just i don't even know what to think about this the the one that's intrigued me the most has been all the ufo stuff okay And, and for me i mean i don't know I don't know what I necessarily like believe or don't believe or, or anything like that, but like we got videos now, we got stuff from the government saying that they're like potentially real. It's just, I feel like I'm living a, living a sci-fi movie almost, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Have you ever seen a UFO or experienced anything strange in Ohio? I mean, has that ever happened? Um, I think the closest like to that would be like some paranormal-esque kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, yeah, no, like no big white lights or any, anything like that. I mean, there's, there's some open space in Ohio, but I've mostly lived by the cities. Yeah. Man, I have seen the UFOs. I saw one of them. I swear I saw it in Waldrug, South Dakota. It was me and my cousin. And we were coming back, kind of doing this backpacking trip when I came back from Peace Corps, China. And we were completely sober. All right. Like I, I like I promise you, we just took the rain fly off the tent. And I literally saw this thing. And if you put your hands together and you see kind of that diamond sign in your hands. That's what it looked like flying over us. And it was like defining gravity. Like, I'll have to have my cousin talk about it one day. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen. And like seeing that, I was like, I don't know what that is, but that is not a ship that we see in normal day-to-day life. You know, it was really crazy. It tripped me out. Mm-hmm. Was that, uh, did it, like, was there sound? Like, no, did it, it sound like? No, there was, it was no sound. It sounded like wind. Like you wouldn't have heard anything. And here's what's really, really trippy um, is it almost looked like it was like a metallic green, but it looked like it was broken. And what it looked like is there was some type of cloaking device and it was taking like it was absorbing the stars above and presenting them on the bottom. But because there was like this metallic green to it, you could barely see the outline and the silhouette of it. And it was like super Mm freaky because i was like wait a minute this thing it's if this like it's almost like the cloaking mechanism was broken and had it not been 
then you would have not even seen it for how it was kind of being camouflaged by the stars above it. Wow. Yeah. I could, I know exactly like what you, I can like visualize exactly what, what you're talking about that. Yeah, that would, that would be, that would be trippy. Was there, I don't know how in tune to like energies you are, but was there like a shift in energy when it was around or was it, is it was just like kind of still? When, no, it was, it was moving. Like if you would have looked at it, it was flying across the sky, but it wasn't a cross. So there was a tree that was probably about 25 to 35 feet and it was flying right above the tree. So if you can think about it, we're in this campground in the middle of Waldrug, South Dakota, and there's a lot of lights there, and it's a very lit campground in the city, and there's actually a railroad train um, running right by it, a railroad track, so it's not anything remote. It wasn't any, like, it was, it was, it was in the light that we saw it, and it, as it flew, it looked like it was going no more than 15 to 20 miles an hour flying above this tree. Like, obviously, propulsion would have brought it down but it was it had to have some type of anti gravity um, process in order to fly like that, you know, because it was defying the laws of of we know as humans as physics and doing something completely different. And I just remember being paranoid because my cousin was like, "Should we text somebody?" And I was like, "Hell no! Like, I don't know if that thing can read our text messages. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what we just experienced. We experienced something that's out of this world, you know, and." Like for me, like at that moment, I'm like, I don't know if it's man-made. I don't know if it's extraterrestrial. You know, it's like you get, and sometimes you get these conspiracies that some of this stuff is flying out of earth. Like, and that was a big thing um, whenever I was in Ecuador is, you know, they thought there was giants in middle earth and extra, like other, other world capabilities coming out of the earth and like an, like an indigenous story about it. And it's like, you just really don't know and then it's like it ties into this one time me and natalie my wife went to sedona and there was ufo tours and they give you like night vision goggles and you stare up at the sky and you just see beams of light going and there's no satellites there's no planes in the sky like you can look literally on your app on your phone they had an app well and seen it just really tripped me out you know i was like i don't know what that is but it doesn't look normal like <laughs> you know yeah, that's wild. I mean, I want to believe, right? I I can't imagine uh, that in the infinite in the infinite of the universe that we're the only ones like here. Yeah, that just doesn't make doesn't to me make that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and then like the thing about the UFO like conspiracy. Whenever you go down the tunnel, are you familiar? I think his name is Burchard. Burchard is that his name? He like channels UFOs. No, I haven't. Yeah, no, that's something I'll, I'll need to look into. So back when sports weren't on TV and during the time of COVID, I watched a lot of crazy documentaries because I was like, there's nothing else on. And I would go down these rabbit holes on Amazon and they had um, this guy who could channel UFOs. And like there was this whole following for him. And he kind of used this this experience to indicate that like we're not on the same wavelength as ufo being because they're they're a higher frequency than us so we can't even like emulate with their energy and they were saying it's the equivalent 
of humans trying to communicate with dolphins. Like dolphins know we're real. They know we're real, but we're not on the same energy level. And like a lot of his followers would then start wearing like dolphin necklaces and it really tripped me out. So like, I know <laughs> it was like weird to see that because you're like, man, you know, there's a whole, you know, the whole frequency and the channeling of UFOs. I, I don't really know anything like other than that, but it's like, I've never been to like an event like that, but it's like, it's really interesting to see how people can fall in there. And if, you know, are, you know, are you channeling a UFO? You know, I don't know what it is, but like, that's another aspect of it. Like, it's like so many people have the ship thing and then the UFO ships and then the actual challenging, challenging of people. But, you know, and then like you get us shooting down the UFOs and have they come out with like a reasonable explanation for why they shut down those, those UFOs over Michigan, Alaska and Canada? Uh, the only thing that I heard is that we, we, somehow missed with like a $300,000 missile <laughs> and mm -hmm. then like ended up having to shoot it down with something smaller. And yeah, I don't know. They said that they were going to be able to get the one from like, uh, out in, Ala out in Alaska mm -hmm. and they weren't, they haven't like updated anything. They said that they were going to keep the public in, in, uh, in mind when we when they were revealing those things but i have a yeah. feeling it's gonna <laughs> be I, a little bit different than than what they said it is so oddly enough my brother has a podcast my brother actually was in radio for a really long time and he did the he somehow i don't know how i haven't talked to him since it, but he released an episode and he talked about how there's definitive science that there's these like there's definitive proof that there's these things called pico balloons are you familiar with them mm -mm. so pico balloons in themselves are used to monitor weather and they're like a party balloon with an rf uh, d radio frequency um like transmitter and you have to be like um you have to be certified with the faa and certain people can have them and, and they're and people use them for kind of like a hybrid of hobby plus plus science because noaa the North American um, Weather Agency is familiar with it. And he had the guy come on his show and give a really long presentation, like talk about it. And essentially what he was saying is like those Pico balloons are owned by civilians and they know for definitively that those are the those are the balloons shot down because at any given moment they can check certain areas. And there was Pico balloons in those areas where they're they were shot down in all three areas. And, and, the, and the Pentagon hasn't come out and told us what it is because, like you said, they don't want to be stuck spending, you know, $400,000 to shoot down a balloon that costs no more than 25 bucks. And I think maybe that's a little bit of the dilemma right now um, from, like, a practical standpoint of what it could be, which also is, like, crazy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it right now and for the people that haven't looked it up yet, it's, like, basically just like a big silver ball yeah and like, yeah that, and that's what they told that's what they said oh it's these silver balls flying around in the <laughs> flying around it's like uh well i think what happened did is you just did you just spend three hundred thousand dollars to <laughs> shoot down a balloon because yeah. yeah i feel like we could use that money elsewhere yeah but you know three hundred thousand for the pentagon is a drop in the bucket um and you look at like because they, they, they changed their radar system in the North America 
Norad. I actually went there when I was in grad school. It's an interesting place. And that's the radar that they use to shoot down the rockets. But I couldn't remember, like, well, you know, I don't know, man. But could you imagine, like, you have a hobby and you're like, dude, you shot down my balloon. Like, I just want to, <laughs> like, track the weather. Why are you doing this to me? But that's from there for that one, you know. And I think, like, I think about other UFO stuff. Like, I did have a friend back in the day who indicated that, like, um, there was a situation where he like had a UFO hit his house one time and the hand was like, like, like yellow and it was golden on the window and it like scared him and traumatized him. But I think the last thing about UFOs, and I've talked about this before, and it's like cow mutilations. Like, have you ever tracked anything with the cow mutilations? Uh, the, the last thing I saw was like Chipacabra-esque, not necessarily um, UFO driven yeah it's like so when i was a kid and i've done i've done a podcast on this before but it's been a really long time and i've talked a little bit about it i lived on a farm in rural arkansas in rural arkansas and our cows kept getting mutilated and when i say mutilated like the insides were taken out the eye was taken off the tongue was taken off and what it looked like is they just ran down the hill and fell over now we're like the story gets crazy it's like our dog wouldn't go by it but when i was a kid like four years old sightings do you remember sightings the tv show um no well sightings was a show that ran on fox for maybe like five six seasons where they would talk about sightings even then and um you know my grandfather was on it talking about aliens it was on the first episode so as a child you know like for them to be like, you know, a TV crew coming out talking about aliens. I was like, what is going on, dude? Like, I always thought aliens were going to come and abduct me when I was a kid. It was like really, it's like a traumatizing experience, you know? Yeah, that's, I, I could see, I could see that. I mean, out in, out, like I said, I've, I've mostly lived by, like by big cities. So cows are far and few between <laughs> in, uh, are few and far between in in Cleveland, but yeah, I could see how that would that would definitely kind of mess with you as a little kid, especially if it's if your grandpa was so like yeah, he was about like, it, right? Um, like if he's talking to shows and stuff about it, that's pretty yeah, crazy. It was crazy, and it's like you know when you go from there, you're like whatever. I don't know. Maybe we'll learn one day. Maybe we won't. But like, what happened? With like your paranormal experience did you see anything like crazy like what did you experience from there um really just like just like seeing seeing figures right and i have like kind of a weird theory um that i haven't explained in a really long time so i might kind of mess it up but it has to do with like quantum physics mm -hmm. and the idea that like a lot of timelines are happening at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the eternal now. And like, to me, that's like the only scientific um, explanation for like being able to see other figures in your house or something like that, that maybe they are there and that there's some sort of break in physics that's happening that allows like you to see that figure within your current timeline. Yeah, that and makes... so that's really the that that's really the the 
the thing that's happened to me is just um like savannah georgia does like a lot of ghost tours and stuff like that so there's like i feel like there's a lot of stuff that happens around then around there and then um yeah i mean nothing like nothing like super spectacular but just like seeing something and then and having the feeling the energy of of somebody there Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily there um and i guess the other thing that would be the closest to that would be um so my grandma died of cancer years and years and years ago and one of the things that she loved and that her mom loved my nana um was deer and so this wasn't necessarily a paranormal thing but on the day that my grandma passed she passed at home um in the in one of the houses that i grew up where there's normally not any deer around i i pulled up i unfortunately wasn't there when she when she actually passed but i pulled up and there was like 10 deer surrounding the house hmm. and to me that was just like so strange because you very rarely saw deer there and it almost to me was like like a like her mother my nana coming back and like whisking her away and like making sure that she was okay going to wherever she was going yeah that came which i thought was one helped ease the ease the pain of losing my grandma for <laughs> i mean that was a that was a big thing for me they they pretty much helped raise me um i lived with them for a really long time and so it was just like a beautiful beautiful thing but yeah it was just very very strange yeah that's like you know that's super interesting and it like gave me chill bumps when you think about just pulling up and seeing those deers but i do think there's stock in the quantum physics thought process because it does feel like sometimes there's multiple energies and there's multiple timelines happening all at once and you know are are you seeing that you know you know I once worked in a hotel called the Crescent Hotel. And long story short, it used to be this place where people would go whenever they were dying from cancer, like back in the day. And the doctor said he could like, cure it, but he couldn't cure it. And he was taking a lot of people's money. And I used to work down and get towels from the morgue. And I'm like, whenever you're turning a room over. And one time I went down there and the lights turned on magically and I didn't know how to turn them on because it was my first night and I remember I walked upstairs and I was like hey thanks for turning the lights on down there and like we didn't touch the lights and still to this day like I had no idea how those lights turned on and it felt like it was kind of like one of those moments or just a random thing yeah that yeah that's weird (laughs) that's that's a bit weird if no if nobody was there and yeah that's the thing like when I started first started learning about like the quantum and, and stuff like that, I, that idea popped into my head that it's like, like, what if they, what if they can see us too? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the crazy, what that's the crazy part. Like what if they're in their timeline from 1912, right? The house that I live in, the house that, that we own was born, was uh created in 1912. They built uh-huh. it in 1912. So like, what if I'm sitting here right now doing this podcast with you and their timeline's going on at the same time? 
and somehow they see me sitting in front of like this weird technological device that they have nothing they know nothing about mm-hmm. and they're just seeing me like interact with like basically no a ghost because that's basically what you are that's and yeah they're seeing my they're seeing my timeline in some sort of quantum jump that that's happening all right perfect i'm recording let's segue right now so what happens like we're talking about this quantum right what if because technically we could look if all timelines are happening all at once technically we could see things that are in the future so what if ufos are future timelines so those you those ufos and the aliens that we're kind of seeing are not of this timeline but of a future timeline so like what we, what we would consider as ghosts are people in a past timeline that are breaking through the quantum and what we see as ufos are future human humanoids breaking through a future timeline there, there's a lot of speculation about that. Are you familiar with Skinwalker Ranch in Utah? I'm familiar with it. I haven't really, I didn't really dive into it. There's, I know there's a bunch of documentaries. My wife and I are big documentary people. Um, there was a, sh- like a, like a six or seven part series that we started watching over COVID. And I don't, I don't know that we've finished it. Yeah, and and that's and that when I watched that because there is there's a lot of, you know and obviously the DoD, the Aeron Group, the billionaire owned it for a while, did research on it, and that was one of the hypotheses that kind of came out of it because there was potential um, radiation found in the sky over that over the farm, and it seemed like it could be this time portal between different different time periods where if ships are flying and things are hovering and you have that technology that interrupts gravity, who's to say that's not also manipulating time? Because from a time standpoint, like if you look at physics, there's still like variations of time that correlate with gravity. That's like whenever you look at satellites in space for your GPS, whenever that was first being created, the GPS is actually sped up by a few seconds. So it anchors with your phone on earth because they're, they're experiencing a different level of time within the atmosphere. So it's like that definitely could be happening. And in my opinion, like that would make sense as well. If there was, if you had, you know, gravitation as, as a way of means of a flight, then I mean, yeah, I definitely could see how that could be. And it wouldn't like be super shocking. Yeah. I think we're putting it together. I think we're putting it together and it's almost like, (laughs) but another thing that trips me out is like, if we look at area 51, whenever the UFOs first crashed and then they started hitting narratives of weather balloons, it's like really weird how like weather balloons and UFOs always have like the same kind of story, even from like 80 years ago. Like that's something that like was really like, I, I picked up on that. I'm like, that's just so strange, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and they kind of like what, what some people talk about them looking like it's very similar, right? Around metallic object. Yeah. And then they just, or a spherical. Mm -hmm. 
it just makes you wonder, you know, especially with like all the releasings of these TikTok footage that the Navy's saying they have and and all these like thing, you know, are we gonna just gonna get are we getting slowly fed to one day be like that's a UFO like in or that's like a spaceship in the middle of a field somewhere, you know, and it's like you like turn on news and it's just being watched. You know, is that kind of where the amplified like where it's being amplified, you know, because it's like you think too about War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, and whenever that story was created, the panic that it that it set the people in as a radio show, and you know, and now we have so many movies about UFOs. We've been so inundated, and it's so common knowledge to talk about it. You know, if it was to happen, like it is in people's psyche more now than ever in history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could be potentially, if they know more than what they're telling us, they could be creating um, a way for the public not to completely panic and lose their shit <laughs> if, so, if something were to eventually happen. Like they could, yeah. so what if they're like in contact, right? And these aliens are like, whether you like it or not, we're coming down to earth in 2025 like, yeah, why wouldn't we put out a bunch of information about, like, so to, like, reduce panic? Yeah. Because and it's almost, if, yeah. if all of a sudden this giant ship came down from the sky, everybody would be like, what the hell is that? Like, shoot at it, blow it up, like, do do whatever it takes to, like, not have it, like, take over our our world. Yeah, and I think too, people might be like, "I'm not paying taxes no more." If there's you, like, I'm done with this system. <laughs> right, right. Well, if the, I mean, I guess if we find out that they've been lying to us for all that all that time, I feel like people will probably do the same thing anyway. I mean, there's yeah. a whole contingent of people that um are gonna <laughs> don't want to pay their taxes. Well, nobody wants to. Technically, I'm sure nobody wants to pay their taxes now. But so a whole contingent of Americans that are looking into the the whole trusts and sovereign people stuff. Um, I'm not too familiar with that, but so any anyway, whether it's aliens or or trusts or whatever, people are going to try to get out of paying their taxes. That's true. I mean, taxes always, always if you can put it in a trust, you can you know because they say Jeff Bezos doesn't really pay any taxes because it's all ran through his LLCs and subsidiaries. So it kind of allows him to get away from it. But I don't know, you know, I don't know. You think about what we've seen in our lifetime and what we've experienced. It's like, are we going to experience that type of encounter? And, you know, what is it really going to do as it relates to multiple nations? Because even from like a geopolitical standpoint, if you had a UFO come to earth and it tried to communicate like, what would that do to other countries if you you would have to brief other leaders on it before it happened? And it's like UFOs and extraterrestrial beings hypothetically would know like, hey, like they can't deal with this if we just come show up here right now. There's no way, you know, they couldn't even like deal with not having toilet paper during a pandemic. Like, what are they going to do <laughs> like, if we go through this situation again? Because it's like the pandemic showed us really a lot how people can react if out of fear and i think that's probably 
you know, if we look at it, you know, what could happen, you know, potentially with the results to fear, you know? Yeah. I mean, we definitely didn't handle the pandemic very well, regardless of what political side you were on. I mean, there was some, some, some craziness happening and yeah, they would be looking down on us if that's where they are um, being like, what the heck? Like, if we come down there, we're going to break them. Yeah. Like their entire brains are going to be melted by the fact that we we're coming down here to, to visit them. And that's true. And if they abducted me and asked me about the toilet paper, I'm be like, yeah, I went out and bought a lot of toilet paper. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> really. <And> like, <laughs> I didn't steal it from anybody though. And I, I did it as a normal citizen buys toilet paper, nothing nefarious. All right. So, you know, I, but I digress. I mean, that's like a whole situation to where we'll see what happens, but it seems like in any time it would have to be in hopefully in our lifetime, if we did see it, hopefully not, you know, cause that's Pandora's box right there. Either way you look at it. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to be, if that, if that happens, I would love to be around just to, just to witness it. Right. Like, all of the rumors were true here. There are actually other people or other beings out there that have been flying around and kind of checking us out for years and years and years. But yeah, like you're saying at the same time, it's like, what does the world come to when that happens? It's, it's, and yeah. Yeah. And like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Like we are always like humans have regarded themselves as like the smartest things in the universe for so long, even though that's like such a weird thing to to, to think about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and if if someone like the ego death that would happen of all of humanity, and I I don't know that yeah I don't know that society would survive that. No, like you're not, that's the thing. It's like, that's what I think sometimes people have to put in there. Like to really understand it, it's like if there was UFOs walking among us, if they were, if the government found them, there's just no way people could really like process it. Even understanding like when Bob, like if you track anything with Bob Lazar and all of his shenanigans, not shenanigans, but his account of working in the offsite area of Area 51. Uh, I haven't. That's not the lizard people guy, is it? No, no, no. Bob Lazar and himself, long story short, he worked in um, propulsion. He kind of was this fringe scientist. He lived in Arizona, um, New Mexico area, went to MIT, did all this stuff, or presumably created this car with this big jet propulsion engine. That car then went on a newspaper ad. He got approached by some individuals interested in his scientifical, typical, I made that word up, his science capabilities, his ability to deal with engines. And he was hired, presumably, to work at an offsite where they were trying to determine how to reverse engineer a UFO engine. And his story's been the same for the last 30 to 40 years. He's gone on multiple, you know, he has documentaries on Netflix. You know, now he works as some type of um, scientist and things he said have been true. Like he talked about this radiant whatever element that was being used to create anti-gravity um, propulsion. And what he said is, you know, that needs to be created. And there wasn't 
take it there was it wasn't anywhere in the mainstream science community until like within the last 20 years or so it, it's been invented and created and it's just like there's all these weird correlations he has and people on the offsite recognized him and he's probably the only person in history who has reached like a level of knowledge of his story and his account of like seeing alien or non like non-technology this um time period at that navy offsite so that's kind of him in a nutshell interesting i think i i just looked i just did a quick old google search i think i may have uh seen some sort of documentary that he was in i recognize his face but yeah i didn't know much of his story yeah it's a trip i mean he went i mean joe rogan grilled him like and that's also too where jeremy co corwin jerry corwin he's kind of coming out as like the ufo specialist to the dod and media and kind of being a liaison um his instagram kind of gets a little bit nuts sometimes about stuff and having accounts but nuts in like a good way is like kind of a good sense of humor but you know when you look at what he's saying and how what happens too with ufos is like now there's a lot of they'll see ufos kind of in battle battle locations so wherever there's kind of a conflict or within syria you know there's a lot of uap on phenomenal phenomenal i can't even talk being found and then they created arrow which arrow is an organization in dod I'm kind of jumping all over the place. The point is, is they're just putting a lot of resources into it and understanding it. And it's not, that's all for, that's all, that's not all for nothing. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things going into it from a national security standpoint as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a big possibility that there's stuff out there that, and the government doesn't even know like how to deal with it. Yeah, and I like, think they, like, I think that, that's probably like they would be way more tight-lipped about that like hey there's some shit out there that we have no idea <laughs> what it is because that would be scary i mean i don't even that might even be worse than them knowing something and not telling us yeah i mean if they're shooting down weather balloons and not knowing what the hell it is and it's like a little pico balloon then i'd be like yeah you guys might not be you know you might be struggling to really understand what's going on if you're shooting down a guy you know, from the Midwest weather balloon that he has for a hobby. Like that would be pretty intense. Like, you know. You <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, you just shot down somebody's kite, like, <laughs> because you guys were, because you guys were scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we'll see. I think the next transition point too is like life on the moon and terraforming Mars. You know, I think for like, from a practical standpoint, you know, I'm not, I'm really jumping, but I do think if you do have, like, if we do travel to Mars, I honestly believe the first people that inhabit it will more than likely be AI autonomous operating systems. I mean, obviously there's robots there now, but I don't think people are just going to transition there cold. You know, I think that'd be like, you'd have to find the right personality for that. Like, I mean, who would want to go live on Mars? Like, I don't know. I mean, they'd be remembered forever, but That'd be a horrible existence. I mean, apparently Elon wants wants to go up there, but yeah, I mean, that would be, I could see how a lot of this AI that's happening right now, um, because really the amount of information that we know is so little, you would need 
some sort of supercomputer up there to like to really learn about what was possible up there Mm -hmm. before sending humans Mm -hmm. right like you would almost need like whatever tesla bot thing that they're that elon was talking about building like a couple years ago or like the humanoid bot kind of things uh robots but yeah it would be it would be the the amount of knowledge that you would need to have in order to survive up there if you could like if you could survive mm-hmm. and the amount of information that you would need to be able to understand and learn would be far too much for even a thousand people all learning separate things yeah you didn't even if you have ground or if you had but that's what they have like where they talk about too like putting bases on the moon to interact with things going on with mars i'm like elon like you are so ambitious do you know what his brother does like have you ever heard of elon musk's brother the only thing I've heard about his family is that is like that thing that his dad is now married to his stepdaughter or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, which you know that story in itself was just insane. But <laughs> I mean that story, like I don't know anything about South Africa, but it's always like I you hear stories, I guess, out of anywhere. But Elon Musk's brother. All right, so Elon Musk. And his brothers start PayPal and they sell it and they become multi-cajillionaires, right? Elon Musk goes to become Elon Musk. His brother, I'm not, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He actually starts the farm to table revolution. So anytime you hear the word farm to table, he kind of created this whole process where, you know, you find food in farms and bring it to tables, like I just said. But he, mm-hmm. he like... He became a chef and he created restaurants and he did this. I was watching him on this thing on PBS one time and he shows up to his restaurant in like a cowboy hat and tennis shoes. And he talks about the importance of organic chicken, which we all believe, but it's like, bro, like how are you Elon Musk's brother? Like how did you take this path opposed, you know, I don't know. Like when I think about Elon Musk, I always think about his brother and just how like two different worlds there, just not even in the same world. Yeah. Kimball is his name. Kimball Musk. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he looks, yeah, he looks like a, he looks like a cowboy. But you can't wear a cowboy hat with tennis shoes. It just doesn't work. Like, you know, you got to wear boots. I don't care what kind of boots they are, <laughs> but if you, cause you're like the whole point of a cowboy hat is to be on a farm and I've never seen a cowboy wear tennis shoes before. Like, they don't go together. Like, I'd be like, I would have no problem with him wearing a cowboy hat, even if he wore, like, the shiniest boots I've ever seen in my life. But he's wearing, like, cross trainers, and it throws me off. Yeah, he's just walk. He's walking the mall in his cowboy hat. Yeah, and it's like, if you're a farmer and you're doing farm-to-table, just wear farmer boots, dude. Like, I would believe you. But I know you're not a real farmer if your tennis shoes aren't dirty, like, you know, but that's like, that's, you know, that's like my weird thing when I look at people and I'm like, something ain't matching up here. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. But going back to AI, have you like experiment, experimented at all with ChatGPT? I have a little bit, um, mostly with just like the content space. 
creating like captions for Instagram posts and um, rewriting sales pages and and stuff like that. It I use it uh, more as like a a base layer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm much better editing. Like I'm a much better editor of content or blog posts or whatever than I am of like starting them from scratch. So I have the ideas, throw them into chat GPT and then, and then use them. Like yeah. use that moving forward. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've you you know, I am super dyslexic or a person with dyslexia, but I can't write to save my life. Like if you had me write an email, like I could do it, but I had to create like my own little process to do it. And now using chat GPT, like it changed everything. And here's an example, like, my podcast. So before I would like, I did seven months of podcasting and I never put the description, the necessary information, because it just really wore me out to think about writing all that, you know? And if you mm-hmm. look at my, if you look at my podcast, the minute I did a podcast on chat GPT, like all my descriptions are wrote really well. And I just have chat GPT write them. And that's increased it like dramatically, just the fact people can read it. And you can use it for Instagram and you can also have it put out all the hashtags for particular posts. So you're not like seeing their hashtag for like 15 minutes, which is like the most frustrating thing ever. Like whenever you do a post and you have to like remember all the hashtags, it gets so old. Yeah. We used it for Masterful Man to um, put some emails together. So you can do like email sequences. Um, I've used it for some marketing clients that I have of, um, rewriting ads, rewriting Facebook ads mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's, it's, and I, I know there's even a paid service. I think it's called Jasper AI that mm-hmm. is like, like specifically for like marketing, right? So you can like, you can feed it less information because it's specific to marketing, like less information about your potential customers and stuff like that. Where Ch- chat GPT, you kind of have to, have the AI learn about it and learn about different copywriting styles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the, the AI space is really, really interesting to me. Um, I don't have a ton of time to dive into it, but it's going to, it's going to, yeah, I mean, understatement of the year, right? It's going to change the world, <laughs> but I think it's just going to, it's going to make things so much easier for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, if did you have you looked at any of the stuff for the art that AI is creating and how you can kind of go on these forms and they can create like crazy beautiful art and you can train it from there? Have you have you seen? I forget which system it's used. I forgot the name of it. I did a an episode on it, but have you tracked anything from there? I've tried it a little bit, but I haven't done haven't done much. I know so Nathaniel has has done that. Um, I've seen some people, some like designers, they fed, uh, so I'm a designer by trade. Mm -hmm. I went to, I went to design school, um, and then transitioned into marketing and then coaching. Um, but they would feed like some of the best logo designs into like this process. And then we're able to have AI generate like great, great logos from those, like at least like 
a starter template basically mm-hmm. from from that, which is is just so crazy to me because so in design school, when we were doing a logo project or something like that, we would it would take hours, hours and hours and hours and hours of like looking at different typefaces and looking at at different like bubbles and shapes and doing a bunch of research and everything like that. And like where you can just, Hey, these are a bunch of good logos. This -hmm. is what the logo, like a description of what the logo I want to look like and, and hit go. And it just like spits out like 10 or 15 things for you to then edit Mm -hmm. is insane to me. And I think it's just going to, it's going to, elevate music and writing and books and tv shows and like it's just going to elevate everything to another level Mm -hmm. which i think is going to which i'm always for but at the same time it's gonna it's gonna scare a lot of people yeah and like you said tv shows i am all for ai writing tv shows because the TV shows you see today, like, if I can guess the plot line, I'm like, why am I even watching this? Like, I know what's going to happen. That dude's either going to be that dude's, like, brother's half-sister's mother who's the killer. I don't know what that's from. But it is that situation where it's like, let's have AI come in and write some better plots over here. <laughs> like, But I do think there, there's going to be people afraid. But like ChatGPT is helping us now with content. That's where I see AI going. I mean, they do have these things right now with the Dan prompt. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It kind of came on Reddit. And a Reddit user figured out a way to manipulate chat GPT to kind of open it up and have crazy conversations. Um, And it was really interesting because I experimented with it as well. And you could get it to do things, but it wasn't necessarily like there wasn't any coding. It was just using word prompts to manipulate it. And it was kind of interesting to see that already happening um, from a, like, cause humans are always gonna like, if I see something like that, I'm gonna be like, how can I get, how can I push this thing? Like, like you get in a car, you're like, how fast can this thing go? Like, that's that's really where your mind is. And with like ChatGPT, I'm like, what, what, can, what can I get this thing to say that's just off the wall? And I think that that's where people might be using it for nefarious things is, people taking chat GPT and creating content that's negative or hurtful. Like that's, I do see people doing that, you know, because they do the same thing with social media. So that's where I really see an interesting dilemma with it. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I, I also, um, I mean, I, I saw somebody turn it into like a, like the idea of like hacking somebody using it, like, Hey, try. Cause like it can, it, it can generate passwords, right? Like, so if you know what the person's like, how many uh, characters a person's password is or something like that, you could code it to generate <laughs> a million passwords and try them all. That's right. Like stuff crazy. like that is, is oh. it could definitely be used for, for not great things wow well i mean I'll, like you can only you only get so many shots on the iphone but if you're trying to generate like pass to get in people's accounts i mean that would be that's insane like using ai for that is really like that's next world stuff like that's not even if you would have told me that five years ago i'd have been like no way dude you know like and to see that happening 
it's like, you know, that's where, you know, like where, you know, where's that going to take us? And I do know if I was a kid, I'd be trying, I would use that in school all the time. Like not, I don't know if I'd use it nefariously, but maybe just to proofread my papers. Cause you think about how hard it was to get someone to read my papers. Cause I was dyslexic and no one wanted, nobody wanted that. <laughs> like, and <laughs> If I could have put that in chat GPT and I like proofread it and fixed the grammar, I would have been like, I am invincible. Like nothing can touch me. Like that's, that's the mentality it would give me, you know, as someone who's using it as a source of like using it as a tool to help me offset maybe something that I can't do like everyone else can. Yeah. I, I saw a, uh, I saw, a, I think it was a TikTok video of somebody who, was basically running their entire like marketing agency. They were doing like SEO work for small businesses and they're basically running the entire business with chat GPT as like the worker, mm -hmm. right? Where they would feed all the information about the SEO of the website and all of that. And then have G chat GPT export like a, a full on report of all the analytics and all of the marketing that went behind it and everything that they should change. And, and all of that, where the person was like, I am a programmer. I don't know how to do SEO, but chat GPT does. So I'm going to just use that and ended up getting like a couple clients and getting good results for, for those clients, just using the, the information that chat GPT knows. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, like chat GPT, there's another version, I guess, that can actually search the internet. I don't know that chat GPT actually has access to the internet. Like, That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the front facing internet, I guess, right. It has access to a bunch of information, but I don't know that it would be like, able to go like, Hey, you search for masterfulman.com and then rewrite the sales page or something like that. Is that the actual paid one? Or just no. So I think the pay, I, I, I think that's another version of it or somebody had hacked it to allow it to do that. Hmm. But I mean, yeah, I would 100% have used it to, generate ideas or um, write papers for me or edit papers or write it in MLS format. You know what I mean? Like oh why, gosh, yeah. why would I do that when I can just, because yeah. I mean, technically you could just voice note something into, and then get it transcribed, throw it into chat GPT and say, write a paper on this and it'll bust out a paper. I'm not going to lie to you. Here's how I think about ChatGPT. Because it's free right now, in my opinion, and it's going to sound super dramatic, in all of human society, it's probably the most viable thing we've ever gotten that's free. Like, like if you yeah. think about how it can generate money and what it can do, and it's like people don't really realize that yet. But I'm transitioning now because we got about 10 more minutes left. And you said you listened to the podcast. And what I like to do when, you know, because this is a 365 experience and I'm working on getting better at podcasting with you listening to a couple episodes, I just wonder if you had any feedback for the last maybe four minutes before we transition into closing thoughts. Well, one, I want to say thank you for doing this because this has given me a lot of ideas too. 
um, one of the things in my business that I've always had a really hard time with is having fun with it. Um, and it seems like you're having a ton of fun with this. So I just wanted to say like, this is inspiring to me because there is a part of me that, that wants to essentially talk about a lot of things that don't necessarily involve personal development that I like, I'm thinking about creating my own, like thing about basketball. I love the NBA. I love the Cavs. Could I make 10 minute videos or 10 minute podcast episodes about the NBA just as something to do that I love? Yes, you can. Um, you should do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously I, I know I can, but like this is kind of sparked that interest in me again. So mm -hmm. I want to say thank you for that. No, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and for you, the, I think the, the one thing that I would suggest, and this is just something from a marketing perspective is maybe videoing the podcast from now on and throwing it up on YouTube as well. There just seems to be a little bit more discoverability with YouTube than there is with like just throwing it up on Spotify and, and using your current audience to like drive traffic to it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, that's what I need to start doing. And it's like, I'm just trying to get, I, but what's so crazy is in the last three months or two months, I've had more listens than I've had in the first seven months. And it's, it's been interesting to see that, but I think that's probably the next goal, like recording it, putting it on YouTube and then start building from there to see where it is. Cause I have until August and my goal is to make it profitable you know, and it seems like that I'm so close, man. I'm so close. Yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been really cool to see and, and see the journey too, because um, you have been so consistent with it, right? Like every single day I see you posting something new on, on Instagram about, about this mm -hmm. and you're already doing the videos, right? You're already doing extra work by, talking about what you're talking about on the podcast on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. So if you were to record them, you might be able to cut that step out. Obviously you would have to edit and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. um, and if the, if the goal is to, to generate some income from this, it would be a really good idea to, to get up on YouTube, right? Because that's, that's where you can, especially since it's like, it's kind of like a variety show, right? What you're doing. Mm -hmm. So the audience is going to be so vast for it that all you need is a little bit of traction, which you're already getting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then all of a sudden you're in the partner program and then they're running ads on your videos. And it's not like they're, I mean, this one's almost two hours long or almost an hour long, but, or, or maybe longer, but um, normally they're not this long. So I think that, I think that would be a next step, good step for you. I mean, audio quality is great. Content is great. The The way you make, like, I think about stuff a little bit differently now, right? And like, you're bringing like all this UFO stuff and conspiracy theories and stuff to the, to the surface for me who I'm not like super dialed into that, but mm -hmm. because... 
I like you. I want to listen to it. Right? Yeah. I want to listen to what you have to say about that stuff. And I think that's the power of, of what you have going on right now. And so more people being able to listen to it and see it in a different way, especially on YouTube, uh, I think would be, would be really cool. That is phenomenal feedback. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on Adam. And I, I mean, this is the longest podcast, but it's been great. Like time didn't even feel like it was relevant because we we're just talking about so many things. I really want to ask like, where can people find you on Instagram and kind of where can they find you and start following you? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, it's Adam T Smith. So I, I don't think I need to necessarily spell that out. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty common, but uh, just, yeah, Instagram, Adam T. Smith. Um, you can shoot me a DM there about about anything. And eventually there'll be some sort of NBA affiliated link or something <laughs> or, or uh, something that's not just personal development. I try to share as much as I can about my life and, and stuff like that on Instagram, but it doesn't seem relevant to to go off on a tangent on a bunch of other stuff on there either. Yeah. And I, I definitely know what you mean about that ability just to talk about multiple things, but I will take your Instagram too. I'll drop it in the link and I'll give, you know, when people listen to it, they can follow you and go from there. But once again, thank you so much. And um, yeah, this thing should be uploaded and ready to go before COB today. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. And keep doing what you're doing, man. This is this is super cool. Yeah, and we'll have to we'll have to do another we'll have to do like another podcast whenever you get yours rolling. Do like a like a joint thing. I would love to, uh, you know, kind of go from there. Like once once you're fully operational, do another one. Have you come back on and give an overview of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Once I get some traction on that, that'd be really cool. All right, man. We'll have a good one, and we'll talk to you later. Yep. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. -bye.